Assurance of Pardon is sponsored by Logos Bible Software, the most advanced Bible study tool for both ministers and laypeople. Available on iOS and Android for phones and tablets, as well as on your Windows or Mac computer or laptop. Get the most of your time in the scriptures with Logos Bible Software. For more information and 15% off your next Logos package plus five free ebooks, visit assuranceofpardon.com slash logos. Now on with the show. Hi everybody, it's Gage from Assurance of Pardon. We're excited to share with you a new podcast on the Assurance of Pardon Network. It features Leanne Davis, who is the wife of my co-host, Pastor Scott Davis, along with Billy Eddy, a seminary student and intern at Hope Presbyterian Church in Hot Springs. The podcast is called Nurture and Admonition, and it's a podcast about teaching our children the Christian faith through using the children's catechism. We know you're going to love Nurture and Admonition, so we're pleased to present to you their very first episode right here. After the show, be sure and subscribe to Nurture and Admonition on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the show. Well, hello. Welcome to the Nurture and Admonition podcast, a podcast about sharing our faith with our children as we walk along the way. My name is Leanne Davis. Um, I'm a mother of five, a special needs mom, a wife, a church member, and a pastor's wife. And um, I'm joined today by two special guests. I'm Scott Davis, uh, husband of Leanne and the pastor of Hope Presbyterian Church uh, here in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And our other guest is... My name is Billy Yeti, and I am the pastoral intern here at Hope Church here in Hot Springs. And I have a two-year-old daughter and a beautiful wife. And you're a seminary student, right? Yes, I am a seminary student. It's Reformed Theological Seminary Online. All right. How's that going? Uh, it's it's going great. Uh, this whole uh, quarantine episode that we're in right now has been a little bit helpful, actually, for me to be able to get a lot of work done. So I've been uh, practicing my Greek a little bit, and I'm not going to show myself doing that here but uh, yeah it's been fun yeah quarantine makes for like good study time yes absolutely i've had a lot of reading done yes yeah well um thanks so much for joining me today and um the reason that i i wanted to do this podcast one is because we're in this quarantine uh right now where we live it's just kind of a self quarantine we're advised quarantine but all over the nation people are under mandatory uh quarantines and we just wanted a way to reach out to the the families in our church and uh since there's no sunday school since there's no uh corporate gatherings and um just talk about okay how do we how do we share our faith with our children what does that look like what does that mean and um so anyway whether we're in quarantine or not. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, what does it mean to, to share our faith with our children? Well, the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter six, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall Teach them diligently to your children. That's what we're talking about today. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house 
and on your gates. So the, the Bible is clear that as parents, we are to teach our children about the Lord all the time. That, that language there of when you rise up and when you lie down and when you walk along the way is a way of saying all the time. Uh, I always use the comparison to green eggs and ham when, when, when Sam I am doesn't want green eggs and ham. I don't want them in a house. I don't want them with a mouse. I don't want them in a box. I don't want them with a fox. I do not like green eggs and ham. I don't like any, and he goes every possible way. And that's what's going on in Deuteronomy six is that there's never a time when we shouldn't be teaching our children about the Lord. Now I know that there might be some pushback on that because you're using a text from the old Testament and people might say, Oh, well that's just the old Testament. We don't need to follow those rules. We have, uh, we have the new Testament that we're going to follow, but in the New Testament, we have passages that are also pointing to parents discipling their children. We have 1 Corinthians in chapter 7, verse 14. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Yeah, and we also see in Ephesians 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So here we see in the New Testament, we see a restatement of the command for parents to to teach uh, their children in the ways of the Lord. Yeah, it's it's a continuation, and this is kind of a a. a hot topic um not hot like controversial but hot like um what am i trying to say popular Popular. yeah it's a popular topic and i think a lot of times when you walk into any christian bookstore or you look at things online what you're gonna see is a lot of parenting books a lot of what does biblical parenting look like and for myself what I came to realize is what I was searching for was parenting techniques. But what I realized searching the Bible was that scripture's actually pretty silent on parenting techniques. Like you have these commandments of, you know, you should just be talking about it all the time. You know, you have this kind of broad blanket statement, but then the nitty gritty of what that looks like is really there's a lot of freedom there and it can look very different in different households with different children and uh really that's a that's a good thing i feel like there's a lot of freedom there that it doesn't have to look just this one certain way that we're all trying to achieve and um so i want to i want to take it when we're talking about making disciples of our children versus just parenting techniques. Uh, what What is the difference between those and how that plays out? Well, I think that a lot of times whenever parents are looking through books, especially uh, my wife and I, we are new parents, uh, pretty new anyway. We have just the two-year-old daughter at home. And uh, so we as we were trying to prepare to be parents, we were looking for all these tips and tricks and what time to put them down for bed and what kind of snack to give them right after a nap and all these different specific Yeah, where's the things. command about bedtime? <laughs> like, <laughs> right, exactly. Right? Um, 
So, yeah, or screen time. Yes, that's, there that's we go. Screen point. time yeah. is another. Yeah, that's a very controversial thing to talk about. How much screen time to get? What does Scripture say about screen time? Oh, yes. Yeah, see, and that's the thing about Scripture is that uh, it doesn't have anything about screen time. It, it, it tells us uh, how to disciple, how to bring our kids up in the Lord. Uh, not to. Um, it's not as if we have to find these certain nuances in scripture. It's, it's very just cut and dry. Raise your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And one of the things that I is helpful for me to remember is that scripture is for all Christians at all times in all nations. All of scripture. Yeah. yeah. All, all of scripture. Yeah. That's, it, it is for every, uh, every believer at every point since it has been written, you know? And so, there are a lot of things culturally, you know, that we're dealing with, um, you know, that a Christian in the Middle Ages would not be dealing with. You know, those those kinds of things change and how we parent and culturally what is acceptable um, changes over time and from culture to culture. And so we do find that that scripture is pretty pretty silent on a lot of those things that he he gives us the law and we find that it transcends culture and it transcends time um but i'm not going to find a verse about exactly how much screen time is appropriate or you know exactly what discipline technique to use uh because that's going to look different for everyone so what uh leanne if i'm understanding you rightly what you're hoping to do through the podcast nurture and admonition is not reinvent the wheel about how you teach uh, the Christian faith to your children, but to recognize that there has been a time-tested means that families have been using to teach uh, this to, to to obey Deuteronomy six that has lasted for hundreds of years. And and what we're going to be um, using in this podcast, what you're going to be using, is essentially a catechism. And, um, you know, uh, the three of us didn't grow up in a Presbyterian or a Reformed context, and so catechism was a was maybe a dirty word or it just didn't it was not a word at all we just didn't know what it was or catechism was just this thing that maybe catholics do that was the closest uh, association most of us had to a catechism but a catechism is not a good thing or a bad thing in a, in one sense it's it's a neutral thing but a catechism is a a a, a method of teaching something to someone with memorized questions and answers. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to be leaning on uh, through this podcast, what you're going to be leaning on is the first catechism, which uh, it's based on the Westminster Shorter Catechism, but it was actually the one we're going to be looking at is put out by Great Commission Publications, among other places. But the Catechism for Young Children was originally published in 1840 by Joseph Ingalls uh, as an effort to introduce and simplify the concepts of the shorter catechism, which is part of the Westminster confession of faith. Um, that's what we're going to find. And what, uh, uh, in, in this is that catechism is a wonderful, wonderful way to teach things to children. Yeah. I, I didn't grow up with the catechism and when you and I first met and we have, a, a blended family, uh, where, um, when we met, I already had three children from my, from my first marriage. And so I remember that you were like starting catechism with the children. And I was like, I, I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if I like this. 
or not. But it was so wonderful. Like it, it just instructed their hearts in a way that I just could not have predicted. And uh, we're really seeing the fruit of, of using it in our home. Um, Billy, what kind of what was your first introduction to catechism? Because I know you didn't grow up with it either. I, I did not. I uh, did not become reformed until after, actually, after my wife and I got married. Um, Cassie and I got married. We're just typical Southern Baptist here in Arkansas, and it's just like everybody else in Arkansas at one point at least. Uh, and so uh, we did not grow up with any sort of catechism or anything like that. We're, we were not unfamiliar with the entire concept. Uh, and so coming to the Reformed faith, uh, Reformed interpretation of Scripture, and seeing the emphasis that the Reformed faith places on uh, not only baptizing, but also discipling your children, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it has really shown how important something like a catechism is. And personally, me, I am a, I'm a, currently I'm a high school teacher, and so while I teach, often I will ask questions and uh, expect answers from my students. And I'll, I'll practice that uh, in a bunch of different ways over a lot of different topics and hope that my students will be able to answer those questions. And as we go through this routine, I am reminded that, oh, I'm not the first guy to come up with this. We have something called a catechism. And in the catechism, we do the exact same thing. We go through questions and and hope that the students, or in this case, our children, will be able to have the the answers. Um, and it's a, it's a practice that is repeated and it's repeated for a reason. I had a seventh grade teacher whenever I was, when I was in school and she would often say that repetition is the key to learning. And the reason that I remember that to this day is because she repeated it and I learned it. So, uh, repetition and rote memorization is something that it seems kind of boring and bland and, um, you know, maybe, not something that, um, not something that people are super interested in or uh, might bore people, but this is this is the way that we learn. I mean, if you if you mm-hmm. look at any sort of research on on learning and learning styles and how people learn, repetition and uh, in this case we can use oral means. We can uh, they can read. I mean, there are a bunch of different ways. There is music that this can be set to, mm-hmm. where your children can learn these questions and have these answers. And so, I think that one thing that that parents might push back, especially uh, coming from the normal Bible Belt background, is well, why not just memory verses? You know, why mm-hmm. not just have kids memorize these? certain Bible verses, because that's what I grew up with. Why right. a catechism? I think that's a, there's a good reason that we can make a distinction there between those two. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the things that I, I we're going to talk a little bit about why not memory verses and they're in, in this format, in this podcast, what, what I think Leanne, you and Leanne are going to be getting at is yes, memory verses, yes, memory verses for sure. And as we go through these questions and answers in the catechism, each week, we're also going to look at some possible memory verses. That's going to be part of the format. The The other uh, question I think some people might have and a sort of objection to the catechism is, my child is three. They don't know what these things mean. Why are we having my three-year-old memorize 
concepts like God's glory that they can't understand. And the most beautiful answer to that that I've ever heard is from some Lutheran friends of mine uh, interviewing an old Lutheran minister about the process of, of, of learning when he was a small boy learning Luther's catechism. And he said it was like when it, when his father would teach him Luther's catechism and he didn't understand it, it was like he was being dressed up in his father's suit. And what that meant is every day as he grew older and older, that suit fit him a little better every day than it did the previous day. And that's exactly what happens with catechesis is that every day as we grow older, these concepts that we have memorized, that we've stored away, those are still up there. We're still practicing those and we grow into an understanding. So instead of teaching them small truths that they grow out of, we're teaching them big truths that they grow into. And that's the beauty of a catechism. That's beautiful. I really like that. I, I had forgotten that. I know, I know that you've said that before, but I had forgotten um, about it. Yeah, I, I think that there's something just very practical about starting very early uh, from the very beginning, if you can, um, and it just being ingrained in you that this, is part of our, that this is part of our life. And as they get older and their understanding deepens, they're going to make those connections um, you know, as they're in worship there, it's going to be like a light bulb goes off, you know, wherever they are. And they're like, Oh, now I get it. Now I understand what that means, you know? And so there is, there is something, um, how, how many times have we, you know, read a book in childhood and it stayed with us. And then something, something that was confusing or you, you, you didn't quite get it. And then you understand all of a sudden the light bulb goes off, you know, as an adult and you're like, Oh, I get it. I get it. And so, yeah, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give them big truths to grow into. Um, and this is, this is laying, um, you know, just, just sowing seeds. Um, and so one of the things uh, that I wanted to talk about is this is not, this is actually the historical method of the church for sharing the faith with their children. Um, because this is not just a reformed thing. That's right. That's right. Uh, Christians have been using, uh, Christians have been writing catechisms and means for communicating and distilling the faith down into an understandable way for a long time before there were, uh, there was widespread access to Bibles. Now, if you're a Christian, you probably have Bibles. You're tripping over them. You've got one, you've got one in your car. You've got one that's always in your car. You never bring it in. You've got, you've got several in your house. You've got them on your phone. Uh, uh, when there wasn't that, when, when maybe a family had one Bible, maybe they didn't have one. One of the ways that they pass down the faith from generation to generation is by teaching children the catechism answers that, that your parents taught you as a way of teaching and communicating the faith from generation to generation. So this is not a new thing. The other thing I want to talk about, Leanne, that I think is, is hopefully uh, an encouragement to moms out there and weary dads out there is this is not for moms and dads who have it all together. Um, the, some moms and dads are hearing this and they're thinking, I can't keep the laundry off the floor. I can't keep the laundry from being piled up on the couch. I can't keep the, I can't remember to put the toilet paper back onto the thing. It always sits on top of the tank or sometimes at our house, it's rolled across the floor <laughs> yeah. because our, our boys, uh, our boys, 
Um, but this, and so sometimes people, they hear the idea of something like this and they say, that sounds great, but I know me, mm-hmm. that sounds great, but I know my family and I just don't think we're going to do it well. Um, but what I want people to hear is, as a, as a dad and as a pastor is rather than say anything worth doing is worth doing well. I want to say anything worth doing is worth doing badly until I get to where I'm doing it well. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I, it, that's, that's the better way to think of it because this is gonna, the beauty of this is, is if you do it in fits and starts, if you do it really, if you do it gangbusters every night at supper for a month and then you <laughs> life happens and you don't, you can come right back to it. It's not something it's, it's, it's like uh, riding a bike. It's like anything else that you, you can gradually build on it and you can fit this into your family life in, and no matter how messy and chaotic your family life is, there's a place for, for catechism. So Leanne, can you talk a little bit about how we involve, we use the catechism in our home? Yeah, it's in, it's in fits and bursts here and there for sure. Uh, we go through long periods of time where we'll do it really well. And then we go for long periods of time where, you know, we just kind of forget about it. <laughs> and, um, every time that I'm like, Oh, that we get back to it. Like I'm, I'm grateful. And I'm somebody who like, I believe very firmly in just starting and just having small attainable goals. And so when we're talking about like, you know, discipling our children or sharing a faith with our children, we don't need some big elaborate plan. Uh, we, we just need to say, okay, what am I going to do today? Cause there's, um, 150 questions in this children's catechism. And that's really overwhelming to think, uh, how am I going to be doing, you know, this is a, this is a long haul. Like, how are we going to get all the way through this? And I don't think that it's always helpful to think in the big picture like that. Like, I, for myself, I prefer to think of it as like, okay, if my children learn the first 15 questions and answers, think about how much more truth and beauty and goodness they know than they knew before. Like, how much better they're going to understand God and who he is and what he has done. So... Um, so that's, that's helpful for me to keep, cause a lot of times there's, there's guilt, uh, you know, that we're not doing things perfectly and we want to have some big elaborate plan and shake up the schedule and everything. And for me, I don't know about everybody else, but for me, every time I try to, uh, start some new elaborate plan, like I fail, <laughs> I two weeks, two weeks is as long as I can keep anything going. So, and, and I, I don't want people to treat this as the new, um, you know, read the Bible in a year plan. Like yeah. uh, this this new thing, we're going to try it out. We're going to see how long it goes. And then just kind of, if we get off track, then, oh, well, then we'll just try again some other time, right? This is this is something that, like you said, this is kind of a, a long haul deal. But parenting itself is a long haul. Um, yeah. There are enough questions uh, that will get you through a long period of time. And I think that if we can think about it not as a, okay, I have to do one question per week, they have to have it memorized, and and then we'll just kind of build in this long, you know, this huge elaborate plan. If we just kind of take it one step at a time, one question at a time, then I think that that will keep us from getting bogged down in this self-defeating attitude that 
we can often have uh, if we're yeah. if we fail at a at a Bible reading plan or something like that, um, because the the catechism was not made to beat up parents who maybe get off track for a week or a month or a year or mm-hmm. however long. That's not why this was made. This was made to to help parents to do uh, to do parenting in a way that is God glorifying and beneficial for their children for the generations after them. So don't let this um, be a, uh, a stick that you beat yourself up with. This is, that's not what this is made for. Yeah. A heavy, a heavy boulder that you're pushing up a mountain and then eventually you just go, you know what? I can't do this. And you just let go and, and, and give up because if I can't do it, I can't do it with the, the level of perfection that I want. Uh, I'm just not going to do it at all. And that's the, the error that is an Edith Schaefer that says, don't let the, perfect to become the enemy of the good um if it's perfect or nothing it'll be nothing every time um so i want to talk a little bit about how we incorporate the first catechism or the children's catechism in the davis family household yeah well with a little bit of bribery that (laughs) yeah that goes that goes a long way um so we actually do it at dinner time uh after dinner we usually have a big bag of M&Ms that we pull out of the freezer. And for every question that you answer, you get an M&M. And we'll go through, you know, 10 or 15 questions. Uh, I try to add one a week. Uh, one of the things... Talk a little bit about the ages of our children. One of the... Yeah, one of the things that... Um, we have a pretty bro- broad age span. And one of the things that I was just about to say was uh, that we have a four-year-old up to 13-year-old. We have five children. And the obviously the 13-year-old can memorize more and go faster than the four-year-old. But I think it's good to do it in mixed age groups because actually, even though we don't require the four-year-old to know as many questions, you know, we don't ask him as many variety of questions as we go around and like when it's his turn a lot of times we'll ask him the same question again and again until he can get it so he can also get an M&M <laughs> you know and then we'll ask him a new one and we'll ask that several times you know but the the 13 and 12 year olds you know they're getting a new question every time um but that four-year-old is still hearing the questions uh that the older ones are being asked and he's still hearing the answers and it's still preparing him to learn more. I just feel like it's toiling the ground, you know, for, for when it's his turn. So I think it's really helpful sometimes to have the little ones with the older ones. It can work out really, really beautifully in that way. Yeah, so we have a big bag of M&Ms, the big party size bag of M&Ms that we keep in the freezer, which is the way God intended for you to eat M&Ms is right out of the freezer along with thin mint cookies out of the freezer. Um, yeah. uh, Billy is, is grimacing at that. So maybe he's not the perfect host co-host for this podcast, Leanne. Um, I'll find my way out. Yeah. yeah <laughs> see yourself at the door. Uh, we have a big bag of, uh, of plain M&Ms in the freezer. And after supper, I'll bring the bag out. Maybe I'll get about 20 M&Ms out. And those are the 20 M&Ms that are going to be awarded as we go around the table. And so if we come to you and you don't know yours, you may not get an M&M for that round. So that's one way we can do it. But we start out with the the very simple, just as an example of question number one is who made you? Mm -hmm. And the answer is God. 
you know, the, the second question, and we're not going to, we'll go into these and you can go into these in a coming week. But second question is, uh, um, what else did God make all things? Why did God make you in all things for his own glory? Um, I, I knew that we had maybe over catechized our children when the other day I walk into the kitchen and my four-year-old is eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which I know he didn't make himself. And whoever has made it for him has left the peanut butter and the jelly out and left a huge mess. And so I said to him very sternly, James, who made you this peanut butter and jelly sandwich? And before I could get to the peanut butter and jelly sandwich part, he responds, God, <laughs> because he knows that God is the answer that comes after who made you. So uh, maybe maybe we have over catechized him. But it is a, it is a testament that, that a catechesis works. You know, that's exactly that idea of God popping into his head exactly uh, um, when he begins to hear the phrase, who made you before I can even finish the sentence, he says, God, that's kind of the way it works with us. Sometimes you'll hear somebody use a phrase in a sentence and it reminds you of that exact phrase in a song and you start singing that song in your head. Uh, that's the beauty of rote memorization. And what's also beneficial is that we have, uh, actually several different ways that we can incorporate this first catechism or the, the catechism for young children in song form. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to point out a couple of resources. This is something that my wife and I have used uh, for our daughter, our two-year-old daughter. Um, we, it's, uh, it can be very difficult to get her to sit down for any length of time at all. And so uh, in the car, I have a playlist on Spotify called Children's Catechism. I think it's public. If you search it, you can find it there. But this We'll, we'll was, put it in the show notes. Yes, yes. We'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but this was made... Um, by I think her name is Dana Dirksen and uh, songsforsaplings.com is her website and it tells you all about uh, her the project that they're doing and they've recorded these songs and uh, for some I'm not really sure why um, but they weren't recorded in the exact same order as the first catechism so in my playlist I rearranged the questions to where they show up in about the same order as the children's catechism so I will just throw that on in the car while she is strapped to her uh, her little seat and uh, we'll go down the road and we'll play those songs and she might not be able to answer or sing yet but she <laughs> she tries sometimes and and that's just been our little introduction so far into the children's catechism and so uh, not only that but there's also an app that the Great Commission publications has come out with I believe it's uh, like a $2 app and it has um, it has uh, sheet music and all sorts of stuff like that for songs that would go along with the first catechism so there are a there are a lot of different ways that we can use uh, we can utilize technology in order to be able to disciple our children better um, in, in efficient ways like driving down the road. So I just wanted to point out, and we can point out some more resources as we move along through this through this series that we're doing on the Children's Catechism, but I wanted to point that out right off the bat because that's what my wife and I have been using for our two-year-old daughter. Yeah, I used those when my kids were younger too. Uh, and it, it's, it's great because it makes time that might otherwise just be in silence mm -hmm. or or Disney music or Disney music. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it, it actually makes it um, profitable. You know, you're actually you're actually sharing God's truth with your children during that time. And so 
Um, I always love that and it, when it's so busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, let's take any of the dead space and dead dead time that we have, um, and and make it profitable for us. So, um, so I want to talk a little bit about like going forward. Um, the plan is that Billy and I, and maybe sometimes Scott are going to be going through, you know, roughly three questions and answers per episode. And, um, we're just going to be learning this, learning this together and discussing, and we're going to be reading like the scriptures that each question is made off of and kind of discussing what that means. Um, because I think one of the things in kind of our modern time is parents have really gotten away from discipling the children themselves like a lot of times they don't feel equipped or like they can they can answer um, their children's questions and now I think the church has become kind of the the main they think well you know I'm going to take them to Sunday school or I'm going to take them to youth group and they can handle that you know and and I'll be there to support them but historically and biblically, that's really reversed. Um, really, the the parents are the lead in sharing the faith with your children. I mean, it's really on us, and we need to be equipping ourselves and in, encouraging one another um, in the faith and, and in how to do this. And I think it's, you know, as a pastor's wife, I really believe it's the role of the church to come alongside the parents and to equip the parents. It's not our main role to teach your children for you but to help you teach your children together um and so that's one of the reasons that i wanted to start this podcast so not probably maybe not the same number of questions and answers every week because some are more in depth than others some are going to take longer to kind of discuss and we're just going to kind of go through the the theology of each question the scriptures that it's that it's based off of and then we're going to have um just kind of my own because um i'm a homeschool mom too um and and we do like all of this kind of as part of our homeschool uh we're going to have a suggested memory verse for each week and then also um my kids and I, we do a hymn study every week where we learn a, a new hymn. And so we're not going to go too into depth about that, but just kind of have a, a suggested one. Um, and that's that's kind of the plan going forward. I like the pairing of the memory verse with the catechism question, because mm-hmm. a lot of times whenever, uh, whenever we're doing memory verses, sometimes they're just kind of pulled out of their context and they yeah. don't mean exactly what you might think that they mean. Uh, because you just get that one passage and that's it. But pairing the scriptures with the actual catechism questions really show to the unity of the word of God as a whole. Yeah. The saying that it, showing that it all fits into one one story, the story of our uh, our fall, um, our, our the creation, fall, redemption, and restoration story of Scripture as a whole. Yeah. And I, I think that putting those memory verses in with the catechism questions and answers really shows how the Bible itself is a single unit. And here's why we think this is important in the in the in the Presbyterian context and in the Reformed theological context, and we, we can talk more about what that means in the coming months or point you to some places to learn more about that. One of the things that we do as Presbyterians is we baptize our babies. We baptize babies because, as Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 7, that the children of believers are holy. And so we 
give them the sign of the covenant, just like Abraham gave the sign of the covenant, the sign circumcision, the sign of the covenant to his, his newborn sons. Uh, we, we, in this, in this covenant, give the sign of the new covenant baptism to our children. And as a, as a minister, when, when, when I baptize a baby in, into, into a congregation, I ask the parents, do you acknowledge your child's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? In other words, do you recognize this child is a sinner just like you? Do you claim the covenant promises on his or her behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for his or her salvation as you do for your own? Is your hope for them the same as it is for yourself, that it's Jesus who saves? And then this is the one that I think hits home when it comes to catechism. Do you now unreservedly dedicate your child to God and promise in humble reliance upon divine grace that you will endeavor to set before him or her a godly example that you will pray with them and that you will teach them the doctrines of our holy religion and that you will strive by all means of God's appointment to bring this child up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And then the, and the, the parents will answer, I will on all of those. And then the, the minister turns and asks the congregation, do you as a congregation undertake the responsibility of assisting the parents in the Christian nurture of this child. That's our, that's our task as, as, as parents. And that's even our task as congregation members. And so what we need to recognize is if you don't have any children, you, if you're a member of a congregation in a reformed, at least in a reformed context, you have promised to come alongside parents and help them with the raising of their children. So I'm excited that you guys are doing this podcast and, and that, and I I pray that it's going to be a a great resource for, uh, for churches and for families. Yeah, and I think that the last thing that I just kind of want to close with is uh, probably just a confession on my part. Um, this is not like a catechism and, you know, however far you go, uh, family worship, um, uh, you know, this is not a 12-step program of on how to have perfect children or raise believers because we can do a lot of great and wonderful things and we do but we can't actually change our children's hearts they are sinners who need to be given a heart of flesh and that can only happen when the spirit changes them and so that sounds a little scary but it's actually for me it's a it's a big relief you know, that's, that's not on me. So if I'm not doing this perfectly, that weight of changing their heart, it's not resting on me. I'm not ultimately responsible for their salvation. God is the one who is in the business of saving people, not me. And, um, that's, that's a really, that's a really freeing thing for me because I'm so prone to guilt that I didn't, I didn't do things perfectly. And especially for me, who's coming, coming to kind of all of this later, you know, what a wonderful gift it is for you and your family, Billy, that, that you've come to this, like from the very beginning (laughs) that your daughter's going to have this, she's had this from day one, you know, and any children that follow are going to have this from day one, but that wasn't my story, you know, and that wasn't for my older children, um, that wasn't their story either. And we, we weren't even going to church, um, before until like maybe a year before I met Scott. And so, um, 
and so if if that's closer to your story today um you know you don't have to look back and and regret or say oh my gosh I just wish I had found this so much sooner you know my children will probably be better off you know we all have the story that we were meant to have and we're all learning all the time and in Jesus nothing nothing is wasted so don't beat yourself up you know and say oh my you know my children are older now I can't believe I wasted all this time with them before I I started leading them in the spiritually um you know the the Lord is is bigger than our mistakes and his grace is greater than our sin well, hey guys, I think that's all the time we have for this episode. And uh, if you have enjoyed this or are excited about this podcast and all that it has to offer, uh, uh, would you uh, like, rate, and subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever it is that you get your podcasts? You can also find uh, Nurture and Admonition on Facebook. Uh, tell your friends about us. Uh, uh, Nurture and Admonition is a part of the Assurance of Pardon network of podcasts. Uh, I, I host a, another podcast. Uh, called uh, Assurance of Pardon, uh, where we talk through uh, liter- the uh, Presbyterian liturgy and why we do what we do, and we use uh, this podcast of about liturgy to, to to jump into all the various topics of the Christian faith. So we're going to be sharing this podcast over on their feed as well. So uh, thanks so much for tuning in, and uh, on behalf of uh, Billy and Leanne, we'll see you next time. <laughs>